prove that we have faith by works. And I want you to notice in Daniel chapter 2 and verse 20. I'm going to read verse 20 and maybe down to about verse 23. If you have your Bible, we find that after God had revealed to Daniel uh, the secret of the king's vision, that Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Now, I believe, people, we ought to bless his name. I believe we ought to praise him. Brother, if God does something for you, don't be ashamed of it. Let folks know what the Lord's done for you. And so he begins to bless the Lord. Notice what the Bible said, verse 20. And Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and forever, for wisdom and might are his. For he changeth the times and the seasons. He removeth kings and setteth up kings. He giveth wisdom unto the wise and knowledge of them that know understanding. He revealeth the deep and secret things. He knoweth what is in the darkness, and, in, and the light dwelleth with him. I thank thee and praise thee, O thou God of my fathers, uh, who hast given me wisdom and might, and hast made known unto me now what we desired of thee. For thou hast now made known unto us the king's matter. I want you to notice, if you will, in verse 21, where it says, And the God of heaven, or the Lord he's talking about, removeth kings and setteth up kings. Which uh, underscore that. Somebody said, Oh, I tell you, Brother Mays, what's going to happen if Mr. Ford stays in? He'll stay in as long as God wants him to stay in. And when God gets through with him, why, he'll get off, see? And my Bible said God puts them up and God takes them down. But I want you to notice in James chapter 5, if you'll turn to the New Testament, we'll read beginning with verse 1. And we'll read down to verse 6. And then we'll have prayer and I'll bring you the message. I want you to notice if you have your Bible open. In James 5, he said, Go to now, ye rich men, weep and howl, for your misery shall come upon you. Your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver is tankered. Now I want to stop there long enough. In my and your generation, we've witnessed that. Silver is not worth much anymore. And they, well, there's a shortage on it. And gold, when they said we're going to open up gold, they thought they'd have a rush for it. And they found out Atlanta, Georgia, the first national bank, the only bank that sold gold. Uh, the other day when they opened it up for sale, they said, we're sorry, sorry we ever handled it. Said we've lost money because it's not going to bring what we thought it would. And that's not a rush on it. Listen to what the Bible said. Said there'd come a time that when your silver and your gold is tankered now, and the rust of them there shall be a witness against you, and shall eat your flesh as you were fired. You have heaped up treasures together for the last days. But the higher the laborers who have reaped down your fields, which is in your uh, which keep, which you keep back by fraud, cry. And the cries of them which are, have reaped are entered in the ears of the Lord of Sabbath. You've lived in pleasure on earth and been wanton. Ye have nourished your hearts as in the day of slaughter. Ye have condemned and killed the just, and he doth not resist you. Now would you look back just a moment, and you'll find that he's giving condemnation upon those that would be extortioners, those that would heap up riches, those in the last days that would go out crazy after money. In just a moment, I'm going to bring you the message on uh, the great takeover, and I believe that God will speak to your heart, but I want you to bow for just a word of prayer, if you will. Every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm going to pray, and then bring you the message today on the great takeover. And I believe if you'll pray that God will speak to your heart. While your heads are bowed and eyes are closed, would you pray 
Would you just ask the Lord to speak to you while I bring the message in just a few moments on the big takeover. But before I uh, uh, preach, I want to pray. Father, we thank you for this congregation that's come. We thank you for the Spirit of the Lord and for the good singing. And our Father, we thank you that we can open up the Word of God and know that you're God. I'm glad today that whatever the tides, that our trust is in God. And may we recognize that it is the Lord that uh, puts them on the throne and takes them off of the throne. It's God who's still running the matter. And so I pray that you'd help us to recognize that. Bless our hearts together. And may the Lord be glorified on this hour. And Father, all all that's accomplished, every soul that's saved, every heart that's blessed, we'll praise thee because we ask it in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Beloved, I want to speak to you this afternoon on the great takeover, and I would recognize if somebody said, preacher, will there be a takeover? I'm sure that every one of you recognize that after the rapture, the Antichrist is going to take over, and that after the tribulation, the Lord Jesus is coming back to take over, and for a thousand years there will be peace and tranquility upon the earth. But did you know I'm so glad that in this day, which we live in the closing of the church age, that God is still on the throne. While you talk to some preachers and you think God is dead, you go to some churches and you don't know whether God's alive or not. But I'm glad when I go to church and the Spirit of the Lord begins to bless and heaven gets real, then I say, Hallelujah, I know that He's still watching over us, and he's still blessing his people. But here we find old Daniel, you know, they they got the soothsayers and the Chaldeans and the mighty men, and said, can you tell what the king dreamed? Old Daniel, he didn't have to get all that crowd of committees together. He wasn't a Baptist, he'd have got a committee together, and so he just got on his knees and got to talking to heaven and brother God revealed it. And when God revealed it to him, he jumped up and said, blessed be the God of heaven. He said, I'm going to take time to bless the Lord. I was preaching the other night, and I said, let's just take time to love Jesus a little bit tonight. I said, let's stop preaching and stop thinking about whether or not you close the fifth door, whether or not your tires flat or your meat's going to burn, whether you're going to get to go to work. I said, let's take time just to stop and make a little love to the Lord. And brother, we got the love of Jesus. And heaven became real. Oh, Daniel said in the midst of all this, I'm going to bless his name. I'm going to take time out to give glory to God Almighty. And I'm glad. You know what he said? He said, don't let upset you when you think that Nebuchadnezzar's on the throne. He said, but I want to tell you something. God that I serve was the one that let him get up there. And God that took him off of that throne. And I want to say this. God did take him off of the throne. And for seven years, that fellow had, had a heart like a beast. And his hair grew like feathers. Somebody asked me what it looked like, and I said it looked like one of these ladies with a Tony Home permit. But anyway, I want to tell you what's the truth, brother. He's out there in the field, and the Bible said for seven years. The Jews fell on him every morning. And for seven years, the Word of God says that he ate grass like a cow. But after seven years, he humbled himself. And God came and picked him up and put him back on the phone. And God said, little children, I want to remind you of something. When I get ready to put him up, I 
ashamed of it. Oh, well, you know what I do every time I pass an old Jew in Atlanta? I get around and say, God bless you, brother. Somebody said, why? God said, I'll bless you too, bless you. And I said, yes, sir. I say, run it off on me, brother. Yes, sir. I thought the book says, God said, I'll bless you. If you're a blessing. And here's something else God said. He said, I'll curse you if you curse him. And you better not touch the Jew. But here Mr. Rockefeller comes along and according to this Jewish historian and according to this Jewish literary critic, he says, Mr. Rockefeller and his family came from Portugal. And it originally, they were Jewish people. And I'll tell you, any man's seen the what he is, I don't have much confidence in him. Amen. I'll tell you, if I was a colored man, I wouldn't be ashamed of being colored. And I believe there's a white man I shouldn't be ashamed of my race. God help these folks that are ashamed, and some of you are ashamed that you're an old-fashioned Christian. You'll get, you know, you'll get up here in front of somebody tomorrow and they'll say, oh, you say, well, I go out here faith Baptist church. Why don't you stand up and look at my eye and say, bless God, I'm not. I want you to know I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the path of God and the salvation to everyone that believes that, to the Jew first and also the Greek. And here's the third thing about Mr. Rockefeller, he's power hungry, and he believes he can buy it with money. Let me tell you something, friends, the best things in life, you can't buy with money. Oh, it's a God in the land forever. You can't buy salvation with money. You can't buy the Holy Ghost with money. Oh, you can't buy my first happiness with money. I was down in Florida well, last summer. I went down to sit with Roy Victor. He said, you see that third house down there? I said, boy, ain't that a nice one? He said, you ain't kidding me. He said, that's nice. He said, there are only two people over there, a maid and a gardener. said, that house cost at least a half a million dollars. And he said, he only comes there maybe once a year. And he puts on dark glasses. And he wears a hat out of his eyes so they won't know that his name's Heavens Presley. Said that's his home. Said he's got all that money, but he's miserable. Said he thought he could get fame. And all that, that won't bring happiness. The night I got saved and see Dr. Toto on Hillsborough Street down in Raleigh, North Carolina, let me tell you something. I don't know whether I had a nickel or not, but I cried out to the Lord. And I'm glad it said you're not saved or redeemed with such stuff as silver and gold, but with the precious blood. Lord Jesus Christ, and I'm glad I'm saved, but men get power hungry, and men get dangerous. You take deacons when they get power hungry, they're dangerous in the church. You take preachers in some convention that get power hungry, they're dangerous. I believe, bless the Lord, we ought to be what God wants us to be. Here's Mr. Rockefeller, he's power hungry and wealthy. Now, you say, preacher, will he invade? I'll give you that at your close, but let me give you some things quickly. You write them down, and then I'll let you go home. I believe there's a spirit of takeover in this country. And I'm going to give you some things I believe is trying to take over. First of all, the spirit of rebellion is trying to take over. Just as sure as my name's Mays Jackson, there's rebellion everywhere you look today. There's rebellion against the government. There's rebellion in the church. There's rebellion in the home. It's beautiful that your little girl can stand up and tell you she'll not do it. It's beautiful. Somebody say, but I've got a generation gap. Get your belt and close that gap, bless God. Amen. I tell you folks, right now, it makes me sick. Talking about, I never get one time I was with a big old preacher and had a mustache. That's back for some, for some of you other fellas ever thought about him. Mustaches. He had a mustache, he's a red big old fella. And I was with him, he had a little boy and he said, Fanny, close the door. And that little boy said, I ain't going to do it. 
And he said, I said for you to close that door. He said, I'm not going to do it. He said, I said to close the door. He said, I'm not going to do it. I said, preacher, loan him to me for five minutes. He said, what would he do? I said, he'd go in the door frame and bless God. I said, you want to keep my God a hold of Yes, sir, he'd close every door. Bless God in this county. Now, you talk about closing doors. There wouldn't be a door in the county. It wouldn't be shut. That's right. And yet you talk about, people talk about rebellion. And the spirit of rebellion is on. Let me show you something. Do you want to be blessed of the Lord? It's the humble. It's the compassion. Oh, when you get blessed. Isn't that wonderful? I'm glad, brother, when I get down humble before God, God blesses me. When I get down on my stomach, and I begin to weep before the Lord, and I say, Lord, I'm not worthy of your blessings. I'm not worthy of all you've given me. Then about that time, I hear heaven.
museum. I said, what kind of museum? He said, Brother Mace, I want to take you up to the witchcraft museum. And you know what I did? I didn't go with him. I was afraid. I was afraid. I asked the preacher, I said, AC, I said, have you ever been in that witchcraft museum? He said, yeah, but he said, I'll never go in again. He said, I could feel demoniac powers. I could feel the power of demons. He said, that witchcraft business is nothing, Brother Mays, but demonism. Now I want to tell you, demonism is trying to take over this country. All these old mysteries and beyond the grave stories and digging up dead bodies. Oh, you say, preacher, what is that? All this stuff about Satan worship. All this stuff of bowing down to Satan. It's now, let me show you something. I, I, I didn't know what this was. I was down in Florida. And my wife and I were sitting in a little waffle house. The only place we could find to eat down there didn't have beer, wine, liquor. So I said, okay, we'll eat in the waffle house. We was eating in there. Behind us was somebody. You know, when I'm going down the road, you know, I used to be polite to a lady. But you can't tell whether it's a lady or a man now to be polite. Say amen. Bless God, you have to give a medical examination to find out whether it's a he or she. That's right. Now, you put that down. Now, when you go down the street, you may not toot your horn. You, you don't know whether you're tooting your horn in a woman or a man. You can't tell. But I said, God said, look at that brother next to the next book. And, and I finally did. And he had a, a thing in his ear. And she said, you know what that means? I said, no, I don't know what that means. And she told me. But the other day in Atlanta, Georgia, we saw something we'd never seen. And I said, uh-oh. Oh! God saw it, and I didn't see it for her. She said, look at those two ni nice-dressed women, and boy, they were nicely dressed. But they had diamonds in their nose, sticking out their nose. They had, they had a little pin, and it, it pierced their noses, and they had diamonds in their noses. And I said, Lord, have mercy. They'll get a bone next. <laughs> like cannibals. And I said, it's, it's just, I don't know what we're going to see, brother. Now I want to tell you something. I don't know what you call that. When a woman puts a, a pierces her nose and goes in there and pulls a big diamond out here. Where's a diamond on her nose? My wife said to me, Maze, now you're so smart. What is that? I said, honey, I didn't graduate in that kind of stuff. I, I can't tell you what that means. Now I got home. I got to thinking about it. All these strange things that we're seeing. Oh! demonic powers to begin to sweep this country. And I tell you that, listen, demons are trying to take over our nation. And demons are attacking us. But I'm glad greater is he that's in you than he that's of the world. And brother, if you say, you don't have anything to worry about, God will be in you. Now, number three, strange flesh is trying to take over. There's nothing so beautiful as that time when a bride comes down the aisle and there's a wedding. And oh, there's nothing so beautiful as that home. And the Bible said it, the bed is undefiled. And marriage is honorable in all. And it's God's plan that a woman and a man get married. And that they bring forth children in this world. That's God's plan. But I want to tell you, they're twisting this thing now. And they're bringing this strange flesh. It says in Jude verse 7. This is what it says. It says that God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah because of a strange flesh. And I want to tell you that's the strength. It's just invading our country. They're teaching boys to love boys and girls to love girls now. And they're saying, you don't have to get married. Find you one of your own kind. And oh, they're going to strange flesh. Impoverish us. Sin on the God. 
And God Almighty's never pleased with it. Somebody said, don't you believe in these gay uh, liberation movements? No, I don't. I believe it's time for preachers to get their pulpits and cry out against it, brother. And preach against it. I don't believe in this Lisbonism. I don't believe in this gay business. I believe that God has a plan and God has a purpose. And brethren, we need to go by God's plan and God's purpose. But he's taken over this country. You know, after indicated where I live, I'm ashamed of this. I'm ashamed of this. They got a picture show that they turned into a gay church. And they got a gay preacher. They tell me, I thought in a paper where they invited everybody that wanted to come. And the other day, uh, a precious young lady, that's the daughter of some good friends of mine, L.D. Rachel's daughter, looked out one of the windows where she's working in the business. So they started in. One reached over and kissed the other right in the mouth. And she said, Mother, it made me feel awful. And she said, the people up in my office just laughed about it. They didn't take anything about it. You know why? Because we've got so many back-scratching, ear-ticking, compromising, sugar-coating preachers that haven't exposed that sin. I'm telling brother, they're used to it, and they don't take anything about it. But I want to tell you something. We've got strange fleshes everywhere. Everywhere you know that, everywhere you look. Why, it, it, it's, it's strange flesh. It calls you to take off your clothes after you've grown and run naked. Did you know that? This streak in Venice, I had an old guy down the lounge sitting at four years old. You know what he'd do? He'd get out there in the park every night and streak. 74 years old. And the newspaper said he wouldn't wear anything. I told my wife I'd like to get me a board about that wide. And bless God, I'd like to get behind a tree. And when I don't sit in Eight-year-old said before your old man ran out, speaking, I'd hit him. He might not wear any clothes, but he'd wear a blister for three weeks. I'll guarantee you that. Yes, sir, just as sure as your name for this. And my name is Brother Mains. But, brother, you say preacher, the great takeover. There's, a, there's the spirit of strange fashion takeover. Now, number four. There's a spirit of Phariseeism, a man-made religion taking this country. Oh, listen, the Bible said in Matthew chapter 23, Whoa! Under the scribes and the Pharisees and the hypocrites. And brother, they want to be religious today, but they don't want to come to Jesus. They want to have their little religion, play religion, go to church. They want to be sociable. They want to say, I belong to the Baptist church. I belong to the Methodist church. But they don't want anything to do with Jesus Christ. The Pharisees and the scribes, brother, they were Jesus' enemies. And I want to tell you this bunch in green spot that preaches everything but the blood and preaches everything but the blessed hope and the book preaches this social gospel and says you can be saved and you can come and be elevated into the kingdom of God. That's a lie out of the pits of the damned. And we better have somebody to stand up and preach against this Phariseeism and against this religion about God. It's pitiful. But there's a lot of churches in God not around them. And they preach a, a gospel of works and a humanitarianism. They want to take the deity or deify themselves. And they want to be religious and leave God out. Now I want to tell you the greatest thing that can happen to a human being is when he sees himself lost and without God. And he comes to Jesus and God saves him. I will show you something here quickly. I never forget it's about 32 years from here, 33 years ago now. I went down to Hillsborough Street. I was on open conviction. I said, hey, do you boys know when I can get saved? They said, no. No! And I want to tell you, I couldn't find a church in, down in Raleigh. I'd get saved. And I was looking for one. Brother, I was looking for a place to get saved. 
Oh, I went to some church and preached. We're glad to have you. You mean you go to state? Yeah, I said, yeah, I'll go to state. But I, I said, I, I'm Burton. I, I need God. Oh, you go out to state college? I said, yes, I go out to Old Hills, Presbyterian. You know where it is. And I said, I said, but I need God. And he said, oh, you just come down here. And at least I went to the Methodist. <laughs> they won't sprinkle water on me. And I knew that wouldn't do any good. So bless God, I, I didn't want that. I went to the Baptist. All they won't do is hit me. And I knew that wouldn't. So, brother, you know what I did one night? About a quarter to nine. God got a hold of me, and I said, Lord, I'm not leaving seat number two, room 813, till you save me. And praise God, I'm glad I knelt down on my knees. And God saved me by His wonderful grace. And I went back to some of those churches in Raleigh, and they said, Oh, oh. And I, the dean called me in, he said, You're in the wrong school. <laughs> Bless God, I couldn't find the right church and I couldn't find the right school. You talk about an oddball, I was an oddball. And you know what he wrote? He typed my daddy a letter and said, You better check your son. He's off of his rocker. <laughs> and brother, when I pulled up on that train in Biltmore, North Carolina, just out of Asheville, daddy was standing there and he said, How are you feeling, son? I said, The best you ever saw. <laughs> And he thought, Lord, God, something's happening to you. He said, are you off your rocker? I said, no, I just got in. Praise God, but I'm saved. And I'll tell you, the Lord is blessing me so good. And I was happy with it. And I went up to some of those churches, and I said, you know, I'm saved. And they looked at me like, saved? What is that? And they looked at me like, the, you need to go down here to Morganson. Uh, you need to go down here uh, uh, to Camp Butler. There's something emotionally upset about you. Now, I want to tell you what upset about me. The Holy Ghost went down here and got a hold of my heart, bless God, and cleansed me in the blood of Jesus. And I was born the second time. And God became real in salvation. It was so real, I had to tell it where I went. And people said, oh, I'll tell you. But churches are actually afraid of me. I went to some of the churches. They said, you better watch old Jackson. They said, he's going to run past him. <laughs> I said, glory to God. I'll run past it, but I'm glad I'm saved. And I'm glad I'm happy in Jesus. What a blessing. And I want to tell you the biggest curse that you'll find in this city. Let me say this. Say you work up here at Sears Roebuck. You're back there in the pastor's department tomorrow. You go in and say, folks, I got saved. Are you going to go over here to any of these plants? And you tell them, say, I got saved. And 99% of those church members say, oh, oh, you did what? And you say, boy, I tell you, yes, I trusted Jesus. And the bird looks, and I'm going to heaven. And they'll say, uh-oh, you better, you better, better watch him. You better watch him. I say, are you, oh, yeah, I'm a Methodist. I go every Sunday morning. I sing the dog song. I got my little program. And I'm, I'm a Baptist. I'm a Episcopalian. I'm a Presbyterian. And when folks start talking like that, you know they're not saved. But bless God when you meet one in the morning and he looks you right in the eye and says, Go in a God, I can take you to the place, I can take you to the time. But the Lord saved me by his wonderful grace. You'll know that there's a difference in that man. And you'll know that he's saved and that he's born again. And I'll say, I'm just almost terrible looking at you when you get that. It'll show on your face, you know that. Brother Ronnie said when he we prayed the other night, 50 men at least back there prayed for his mother in law. That day and had a better rest. He said the next morning when Doc came in the room, that's his wife. He said, I knew that she had been sleeping on the arms of Jesus. She looked rested. Said, look like the sun didn't come up outside. It came up in her face. Oh, 
you see, listen, let me tell you something. When you get saved, you can tell it, praise the Lord. Hallelujah! When you really get saved, you can tell it! But there, listen, there's such Phariseeism trying to invade this country. But listen to something else trying to take over in this country and all the Phariseeism. But there's confusion. They're trying to, oh, listen to me, the devil knows he's got this thing confused. And he's more and more. Now, I know some of you are going to get mad as the devil, but you can get mad as the devil because I'm going to give you three things that's dangerous and people are confused about. And if you let the devil confuse you with these three things, you'll never be a happy Christian. Listen to me. Number one, hyper-Calvinism. Put that down. It's sovereignty of God with you having nothing to do with it. I want to tell you, I believe that God's sovereign, that God is all-powerful, that God knows everything. I don't believe that God predestined them to go to heaven and predestined them to go to hell. I believe he knew. I believe he had four knowledge. I'm glad he said, please, I'm going to give you an opportunity to believe, oh my son. And brother, let me tell you something. If you believe that only the very elect of God, oh, you go out here and start, it'll dry you up. It'll take the joy out of you. And brother, it'll dry up in eternity. Hyper-Calvinism will kill you. I tell you what's the truth. I'm so glad I'm going to get everybody saved. I can I'm going to weep over everybody I can. And brother, we ought to do that. But this hyper-Calvinism will kill you, and you need to stay away from it. Number two, charismatic movement. That'll kill you. Now, I said this right Sunday. I won't say it again because you may not know what it is. Now, I want to help you today. I know a preacher gets up and he says, charismatic movement. And I said, how many of you know what I mean when I say charismatic movement? So I'm going to ask you again today. And I didn't preach a sermon right Sunday, but I did mention this. How many of you? Here in this church do not know what the preacher says when he says charismatic movement. If you don't know, lift your hand and I'll tell you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Charismatic movement is a new brand of Pentecostalism that slips in and tells you that you're not baptized with the Holy Ghost unless you speak in a tongue that's hard anything you've ever heard. And it's a, it's a Pentecostal movement, not of the old brand, but it's a new brand. And it'll confuse you. And it'll get you thinking you've got to speak in some kind of foreign language. Let me tell you something. I have a hard enough time with this language. And I'm not worried about another language. No, sorry. I tell you, I'm not worried about it. I hear a lot of folks say, well, preacher, I'm seeking of the tongues, not me. I'm seeking a battle for the one of God. Say amen right there. You'll find a lot of people, brother, run over this country, and they're so confused. What good does it do to speak in tongues when nobody can understand you? I'll tell you one thing I get through with you. You won't have to get a dictionary to find out what I said. Yes, sir, I believe I preach. I ought to preach a plain. Brother, everybody knows what he's preaching. But you want me to tell you what's going to rob a lot of your joy? Somebody's going to come up to you and say, you ain't got it all. Yeah, I'll tell you, there's some more. Well, I know that, but I'm not going to get out of the same judge they get out of the same. Bless God, I'm not going the same way they're going. I've been too far down the road of the old fashioned fundamental faith. Now listen to anyone. I want to give you a little illustration to show you it's wrong. You know, the only people that spoke in tongues in Corinthians were a bunch that's going to court, and a bunch of babies. And a bunch of folks said they had to have that as sign. I don't have to have that. I've got the complete canon of the scripture, and I've got the uh, witness of the Holy Ghost and the power of God, and I don't need that. So we better watch it. You better watch it. Now we'll forget my first start preaching, and it won't do you any good if you came up and asked me, because I'll tell you what I did here. He came up and he said, Brother Lee, if you'll join a certain Pentecostal group, and if you'll preach a certain Pentecostal doctrine, you can write your own check. 
We'll put you in a Cadillac. We'll see that you never want for anything. I said, wait a minute, mister. You, you, you don't know Miss Jackson. I don't preach Baptist doctrine because anybody pays me. I preach what I preach out of the Bible because I believe it's in the Bible and I wouldn't preach if you'd give me 49 Cadillacs. I'm not against the Cadillac. I like to ride the Cadillac. If Drew get his heart right, he'd ride me more than just Cadillac. I'm not against that. Amen, brother. I'm not against it. Listen to me. But I'll tell you, when I've got to compromise what I believe and get up and preach something that I don't believe, and listen, you have money that way, listen, you can keep your money. But I believe, brother, I'll preach it whether I get any money or not. But I believe, brother, I'll preach it. Whether folks agree or folks don't agree. But the man said, if you'll just come over. I said, mister, I couldn't come over. I'd be a hypocrite. I said, let me tell you something. What I preach, I don't care whether the Baptist likes it or not. I believe it's the Bible. What I preach, I don't care whether the Methodist likes it or not. I believe it's the Bible. And I said, I can lie down and die by what I preached. And I said, there's confusion, the charismatic movement. My friend, it's a second. Now, number three. I'll get the rest of you. You didn't get mad on that. You'll get a little pissed. You all missed at this. Listen to me. Somebody said, what is it? It's easy to believe this just get him in the church and say, you believe he died and get him a Roman robe. This that's not worth a dime. That's not to be holy this conviction. Oh, listen to me, brother. You've got to get disturbed about your soul. And there's got to be a consciousness that you're lost and you're without God and you're without hope and you're without mercy. I wouldn't give you a dime for folks that come up and say, brother, please, I believe Jesus died. Devil believes that. Devil believes that. Devil believes that. I know the best thing in the world you can do is show a sinner how to get saved. I'm not against the Roman road. Don't give me a wrong. I'm, when he's not in a conviction, don't grab him on the road. Speak to your, and, and say, will you believe that guy? The man waiting on the bus, he's not going to get saved. I'll get your church to cram full of folks that never have known what it is to get them saved. Then, brother, when they come to Jesus and are born by the Holy Ghost, then, brother, this middle action of had religion and middle belief of sin of the hell, it better get way deep down in here. And that's hard with the heart. Man believeth unto righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Are you listening? Listen, it's down here that counts. Down here that transforms you. And I want to tell you, you know why you got so many folks here coming August meeting, and I get tired of these August meetings. And they come down and you think, brother, saying it, and, and you can't find them in September. They got it up here and didn't get it down there, but you let a man really get saved, and he'll be there in October. <laughs> Praise God, he'll be shot in December. You let a man really get saved and born again. But we're in the most confused age you've ever seen. Let me give them to you again. Number one, the hyper-Calvinism, that'll kill you. Number two, charismaticism, that'll kill you. Number three, easy believism, that'll get more folks confused than you've ever seen. We need to get folks to, to come with the holy law of God and show them that the law is the schoolmaster, the man of Christ, and they can't save themselves, and they have to be saved in the heart, I believe, in the heart and confession with their mouth. But this country's been taken over by these three things. Let's come on. Here's the next thing. I believe that the world will be taken over, and he's taken over now. Are you listening to me? Now, some of you won't agree with this. It's all right. I won't fall out with you. But our nation has been taken over by the spirit of the Antichrist. Somebody said, I don't believe that. Second Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 7 said, And the spirit of iniquity doth already work. The spirit of the Antichrist is already at work. I'm going to give you something. Hold it. We won't know who he is. I'm going up in the rapture. <laughs> and when he rides in, I'm, I'm already gone. 
<laughs> He'll say, where's old Mace? They'll say, well, he went with the bride, Harry. Yes, sir. Let me tell you, I'm not going to be here when the Antichrist is revealed. I believe that there will be a tribulation after the rapture of the church of seven years. And the men of sin will be revealed. And I want to show you something now. Get this. I believe before the rapture and before the tribulation that the spirit of the Antichrist will be at work. The stage is being set today. Let me show you. There's a counterfeit Godhead. There's a counterfeit church. There's a counterfeit spirit. There's a counterfeit salvation. There's a counterfeit joy. All of this is the spirit of the Antichrist that's working in these days to confuse folks. Now, folks, you better not get confused. Oh, with this spirit of the Antichrist, it's taking over this country. Everywhere you look, you'll see the spirit of Antichrist at work. Now, don't go out and say that Brother May said the Antichrist is here now. He may be somewhere in the world, I don't know. But nobody will know who he is until the church is gone. Hallelujah. Oh, praise God, I'll be gone. But I got you for you. I'll be back. Hallelujah. Say amen. Bless God, I'm coming back. I never have been a horse, much to ride horses, but I got a white one going to ride. And I'm coming back. Amen. That's sorry, I'm coming back. You know, I live in a place called DeKalb County, Georgia. DeKalb County is what they call it. That's the name of it. You know, I get some funny calls once on. I got a call several years ago saying, Hello? Is this Dr. Jackson? I said, No, ma'am. I'm not even a practical nurse, much less a doctor. But, but it, and she said, Oh, is this Reverend Jackson? I said, No, ma'am. This is not Reverend Jackson. I said, This is Brother Mays. <laughs> and she keeps her tongue got pushed up. She couldn't say a thing. Called, I, you've never seen such a confused woman. And I said, Lady, can I help you? She said, I'm head of the DeKalb County Saddle Club. I'd like for you to join. I said, Lady, you're too late. I've already joined the Saddle Club. She said, Which one do you belong to? I said, It's in Revelation 19. Are you coming back on white horses? from that city. I want you to know something on this afternoon. Praise the Lord. I'm going to come back. And he that said within thousands of his saints. And I'm glad, brother, listen. Oh, I'm coming back with Christ in power and great glory. But the spirit of the Antichrist is already at work. Now, here's the last thing. Quickly, and I want to give you, and then we'll close and summarize it out. This world is being taken over one day by the Spirit of the Lord. Now, the Spirit of the Lord is already moving. Some churches are already. This church here, for instance, God is already moving. I believe days to come, the Spirit of the Lord will move more and more in this church. And I know that the prophecy of Joel was not fulfilled on the day of Pentecost completely. It says in Joel chapter 2, I know last days I'll pour out my Spirit on all flesh. I believe that's yet to come, most of it. I believe God's going to pour His Spirit out. I tell you, Mr. Listen, I want to be a candidate to be blessed by the power of the Spirit, to preach the Word and get people to the Lord Jesus. Brother, one of these days, the Spirit of the Lord is going to so move over this world. One of these days, until the knowledge of the Lord shall cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. What a great day that's going to be. But I believe the Spirit of the Lord will take over. Yes, sir, for a thousand years. Jesus Christ shall rule and reign in Jerusalem. That's going to be a wonderful time. The dumb shall speak, and the lame shall leap, and the deaf shall hear, and the Holy Ghost will unstop their ears, and the Spirit of the Lord shall reign for a thousand years with the Lord Jesus Christ. He said that he'll be invaded by the Spirit of the Lord. And I believe that just as much as I'm standing here. Let me give you the scenario. 
Beloved, I believe there's a man called Nelson Rockefeller that's got power in his mind, hunger in his heart to take over the greatest country that ever was. I don't care whether he's a Democrat, Republican, or Independent. A man that believes what he does about internationalism with Henry Kissinger would bankrupt this country and turn it over to the communists and we'd be in sad shape. And somebody said, well, what can we do? There's only one thing we can do. Humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. Wait on God till revival comes. And when revival comes, brother, God can take care of all the rockies that's ever been. And God can take care of the needs of this country. And God can take care of your need and my need. Because God's power is the greatest power of all. I'm glad he says that power belongs to me. Not to Rocky. Not to anybody else. Power belongs to God.